Hello, and welcome to the Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Aaron, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that uh, you know Zach and have decided to join us. Uh, first off, I'd like you to tell uh, all the listeners where they can find you on social media and on the internet. Uh, thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's really fun. Um, yeah, so uh, I've I'm I've been I've done a lot of things in my career, but I primarily these days focus on. Um, trying to change the wellness game by looking at our wellness from absolutely all corners in a really holistic way. Um, so people can find me, we're 100% online these days. Um, so people can find us at mindbodyrebellion.com. Oh, I love that. And and that title, I think we're going to be diving into. We, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording about how we're going to dive into that. But I just like to know, just to start off, what do you love about this country that you call home? You know, it's such a massive question. There's so, truthfully, so many things, so many things. Um, as a lover of the outdoors and nature and being alone and hiking and climbing and such with my dog, um, I have to say that the very first thing that comes to my mind when I think of what I love about this country, it's the space. It's the, um, the different types of landscapes. It's the, the majesty of, of, you know, here locally where we are in Ontario, you know, the escarpment, the farmers, fields, the, you know, we just, we have so much beautiful outdoor space that um, we're so, we're so blessed to have. And maybe sometimes we forget and we take for granted, but, you know, um, the other thing that I love so much about Canada and um, having grown up both in the Toronto area as well as just outside of Quebec City, um, you know, we, we always think of some of our, our bigger cities as being centers of diversity. And to me, um, it's the way that that diversity translates into unity um, that I love the absolute most. I, I absolutely love that idea. I, I, I want us to just riff on this for as, as long as we can, because this <laughs> is the purpose of this podcast. But before we do that, uh, why don't you share a little bit of background with our listeners about how you've come to this? Give us some of the, you know, the, bi the biography facts, but also the, you know, the enlightenment moment facts where you kind of had the light bulb come on. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that for me, so you know, when, when people ask me, you know, what has been sort of the ultimate purpose behind your career path? Um, I usually, I usually can, can sum it up just by saying, you know, my goal in all of my work and all of my, my coaching and consulting, my, my goal has always been to create shifts in our communities through storytelling. And, um, you know, I have a background as uh, in business development, business development, both in small business as well as not for profit. Um, and I've worked um, both in in healthcare um, as well as in the wellness space, primarily. And and you know, movement has always been integral in my life. I had a bit of a turbulent um, teenage years. And I, I always say, you know, it was coming home to movement that kept me whole. 
um, as well as books. <laughs> but coming home to movement has always kept me whole. And and throughout my journey in healthcare, um, it has been so interesting to see the way that movement um, can really connect people and also the way that movement can help people dig deep and find the fighting spirit that they maybe didn't know that they have. I just want to pull out a little uh, thing that I noticed on your Instagram that you've read Untamed. Uh, just a, just a, give me 50 seconds. What do you think of that book and did it have an impact on you? Yeah, you know, my my initial impression of the book, overall, overall, I love the book. Um, my initial impression of the book was that there were just so many incredible nuggets um, that you could take and, and run with and really um, light up over. Uh, however, there were some other, you know, bits and pieces in the book that uh, I read the book twice. Um, and there were some other bits and pieces of the book that after I sat with them, you know, maybe weren't my favorite conceptually. However, the thing that I love about Untamed is that Glennon Doyle is really, um, it's a memoir. It's not a how-to book. It's not a, it's not a self-help book. It's a memoir and, and it's perfectly imperfect. Um, oh, yes. So, I, I completely yeah. agree. And I think this is the, the way that we're, we should be moving uh, and this is just a thought that I'm having. You can tell me, David, you're totally wrong. But my thought is, I think that's a place we need to move in the wellness space. So we need just yes. like so much of medicine is about prescription. Let's not talk about prescription. Let's show our journey and say, "What? This is how I do it." You all have to find your own way, but here are some tools yeah. that might be useful and come at it with humility instead of this top-down dictatorial. This is how you have to do things. Way. Well, and you know why, David, the reason for that, because you're 100% right. And I do believe that this is the way for the future for, for wellness. And I, and I strongly advocate for that. And the reason for it is because the old way that you describe the outdated way, which is still very much in practice and primarily in practice, it's, it's disempowering, right? It takes, it takes the answers away from the human and uh, facilitates this constant outsourcing of answers. And so we've, we've learned to stop going within, to understand how do we feel? What do we need? What does our body need? Because what my body needs today and what your body needs today are gonna be two different things. And so we've become used to paying, paying trainers, paying coaches, asking the doctor, as you say, getting that prescription. And it's, it's quite mindless, right? We, we, we take the orders, we, we check the boxes, and then when we don't feel good, we can pass blame and we never really own our journey, our wellness journey, our physical journey. And where's the, yeah, so, where's the responsibility um, that where's the responsibility there? Where's the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the push for personal development? Where's the free agency? We're, we're giving up our essence, our freedom, our, our personal agency every moment of every day. We're not even aware of it. That's right. That's right. And that's why, you know, I love that you're talking about this, David. I didn't know you were going to bring this up, but it's funny. I, I often rub people the wrong way because uh, we talk a lot about, it's not that I'm anti-wearable, but we talk a lot about ditching technology when it comes to um, wellness, because, you know, if we're constantly outsourcing how we're feeling and how we're doing and what our health is like in accordance to what the scale says, what our wearable says, um, the calories we've burned, the the inches around the waist. If we're constantly outsourcing 
how we feel to someone or something else, then we are never taking ownership and we're never empowering ourselves to create change that is lasting. And that's why the industry makes bazillions of dollars off the failure roller coaster, right? The failure cycle, because we're never owning the journey. Do you mind if I share a little personal anecdote about that? Of course. Well, so for me, I I never really, I used to be a smoker and a drinker and uh, I didn't take care of my body. Me too, friends. Absolutely. Didn't care about myself at all uh, on a physical level. And I'm on a journey myself. I'm not fully there, but I'm on a journey of recovery, I would say, from from that lack of self-love, almost that, that self-hatred but i also uh, gained a lot of weight from all the beer i was drinking and i was i was pretty overweight i didn't even really notice it because i was so unaware of my physical self um mm. but when i started to pay attention uh i would fluctuate and, and i didn't seem to be able to lose it and i was always looking at the scale like you said thinking about data and you know what the one thing that changed everything for me just one phrase that spiritually transformed that journey for me was mm. it's okay to be hungry I had never thought about mm. that on a conscious level. Now, when I'm hungry, sometimes I don't eat. It, I'm not low energy. Mm. I'm actually higher energy. I'm shedding pounds. I feel on the top of my game in every way. And it's one little phrase. I'm not. Well, what's so fascinating about else. that. Yeah. What's so fascinating about that, though, is that we've become disassociated from what it means to be hungry. Right. Generally speaking, um, when we feel hungry, we're actually uncomfortable and we're trying to soothe, to self soothe. Right. Because true hunger, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, the dietitian that we work with, who's a friend and who I love, Jess Palladino, she always says, you know, when you're hungry, you will eat anything. And when you're not really hungry, but you think you're hungry, you have a craving right? You're craving. Wow. That is great. Isn't that mind blowing? Yeah. And, and it's, it's really, again, it's about coming back and taking ownership of your feelings. It's, it's, you know, asking yourself, am I actually experiencing hunger? Because if you're experiencing hunger, you should most likely eat. However, usually the answer we're very blessed, right? In the culture that we live in, usually the answer for many of us is no, I'm actually uncomfortable and I want something to change. And, um, you know, oftentimes it's about having a glass of water and going within, taking some breaths and doing something else proactive. Have you noticed, I've noticed this, uh, with my phone, I also use it as a self-soothing mechanism. Uh, If I, if I'm awkward, I'll look at my phone and start texting someone. (laughs) Well, we, we know that, that you're not alone. We know that you're like billions of, of everybody, everybody's doing this and, and we've become a numbing uh, and, and you know this this goes back to you know the function of the brain and and the, that primal brain you know we we are such fascinating creatures but we we numb we numb ourselves all day with um, streaming you know movies shows Instagram um, food definitely wine beer you know cigarettes I was a heavy smoker. Um, back in the day. And and that's why, you know, that. Oh yeah. It is a total it, soothing habit. 100%. That's oh, what it is. It's just, so, it's like, it's like yeah. you're a baby and you're just trying to take, give it a soother. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what's neat about smoking though, is that not neat about smoking, but what's fascinating about it is that um, I believe that one of the reasons that smoking is so addictive is that it's a consistent pause for five minutes of breath. It's meditative and, and it's, it's meditative. Social. 
it's social, but it's also, you know, you're actually in deep observation of your breath. You can actually physically see your breath with your true, eyeballs as you exhale. True. And that is right. It's a very grounding. Uh, it's a very grounding activity, obviously is not healthy. So um, it's amazing because we've had so much success with our members over the years in, in supporting them with quitting smoking through a breath practice. And uh, it's, it's just, it's very cool because it's, it's also, you know, we're craving, obviously there's a chemical dependency there, but what, what I believe that we're craving is that, that very um, breath connected timeout. That is an insight I had never even conceived of. Thank you for, I hope that you, all you listeners appreciate that. I really appreciate it as someone who quit smoking myself. Uh, cool, right? Uh, and, you know, yeah. I, I think people, people shouldn't be ashamed of, of a smoking habit. I, I think it's a very understandable habit to have. It's one that you want to break. But I think in a way, you know, it's a sign that you're, you're craving um, exactly what your body needs in some ways. And so it's just about replacing that with a, a healthier uh, a healthier timeout. I love that. Okay, I want to circle back uh, to diversity and unity yeah. and the spiritual realizations you're having around this. But before that, I just want you to talk a little bit about what role exercise plays in mental health from your perspective. Oh, wow. I mean, all the role. Um, I think that, first of all, I mean, I think the primary the primary uh, thing that that people can do for themselves if they're trying to shift their mental health um, is to establish some type of of morning ritual. Um, and we coach our members on on what that could be. And we have something that we call a 10 second morning that I can share with you um, afterward. But oftentimes, um, movement is the absolute easiest way to get inside your body. So the way that you described, you know, you were gaining weight, but you didn't even know because you really weren't living inside your body. You were just kind of going through a lot of emotions, doing a lot of self-soothing, and you kind of lose touch with who you are, how you look, how you feel. Um, movement is just one of the quickest, easiest ways to truly get inside your body. You can't lie to yourself when you're moving because you're going to find where you're stuck, where you're tight, where you're in pain, um, where you're not feeling how you want to be feeling. So it's just such a great, um, it's such a great path forward for people on their, on their wellness, overall wellness journey. Uh, okay. I have one more thing just cause I love the way your mind works. Uh, my girlfriend has this phrase that I absolutely love where she says people's lives have changed by walking for an hour a day. Uh, mm -hmm. what do you think of that? Yeah. Um, I would layer on to that if they're walking device free. Um, oh, I yeah. I think she would 100% agree with you. That's like not even listening I bet. to music. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I remember in the beginning of the podcast when, when, you know, all of us were feeling so much uncertainty and sort of what the heck's going on. And we were, you know, often many of us were even afraid to walk the dog or, or be outside. Um, Many, many of our members were walking, and I, I was as well in the morning uh, from time to time with podcasts. And I think that what your girlfriend is saying is is true because um, walking without your device just allows you to be in your environment and to see your neighbors, right? I mean, we spent we've all said this during the pandemic for those of us who don't live in a building, right? If you live in a in a residential neighborhood with houses, 
Um, so many of us are walking around and really seeing our neighbors are seeing their homes and, and absorbing our environment the way that we have it before. And if you can add a layer of mindfulness to your morning walk and really ask yourself, you know, go through the five senses. What do I smell? What do I feel? How does the air feel? Um, what do I hear? You know, it's, it's such a great way to completely transform your connection. Oh, this is a, a mindfulness journey you're taking us on right now, and I, I couldn't <laughs> say say more high, speak more highly of mindfulness. Uh, it's a journey that I've only been on for about two years now, but it's oh, transformed transformed things I didn't think were possible. Like I, I if you if you'd said to me two years ago, David, you're going to stop regularly drinking, you're going to completely stop <laughs> smoking cigarettes, and you're going to love your life and wake up every morning rested. I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said that that is uh, never going to be my life. But like you said, like I loved how you you just opened my mind up a little more. Observation, like just observing even the breath thing that you were saying earlier. Being observant and actually in the now can bring so much peace to your day. You're not worrying. You're just existing. Well, and so I love what you're saying so much and it's very important. And I don't think that we should skip over it because, you know, um, so many of our members will come to us because they want to do, a, you know, movement, they want to do workouts, they want to change their body. And, and we lead everything that we do with mindset practice. And we always say, you know, people will say my whole life has completely changed. The sky is bluer. My food tastes better. The birds are chirpier. What's going on? And, and it's just very cool because actually nothing changed. You know, yes, maybe you've started to make better choices because you've become more present. But what I love about what you're describing is that life doesn't get better because of all these profound changes that you've made per se. It gets better because you're present enough to notice how cool it is that, you know, maybe there's a awesome, cute squirrel sitting on your fence. With yeah, a walnut. Yes, or, yes, right? It's like yes. just the tiny if, things. That, if you pay that enough you attention in the world, there is magic yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Yes. That's it, my friend. That is it. Okay. So let's talk, let's dig into the meat of this idea of diversity and unity, because honestly, that uh, this is the reason for this podcast is I think we've been fed uh, a lie, which is that diversity is strength. And that isn't actually what makes Canada amazing. It's that unity is what makes us a beautiful country. Well, you know, I agree. And I think, um, you know, I've always been fascinated with the, what I call the rebel path. Um, you know, I grew up with uh, a grandfather who came here um, after growing up for most of his childhood in an orphanage after losing his parents, um, he lost his, his father, uh, who was, um, in the military and his mom to tuberculosis. And I was always really taken with the amount of bravery that it took for a young man to come to a place he'd never been before and start over. And when I was old enough to realize that um, in, in so many ways, our communities are made up of infinite stories um, of these kinds. Yes. Uh, yes. It has always taken me, right? It, it's always captivated me. And I think it's enchanting because, you know, we, we, 
we really truly are surrounded by people who have meshed their worlds together. Um, and I believe that you are right and that it's the illuminating of these stories that is the path forward for Canada. All of the stories from our indigenous peoples to yes, yes. everybody. All of them, yeah. all the stories, not one story, all of them. Our stories, stories together are a story. Isn't that true? It's it's um it's interesting as well because I think that the other the other thing when you think about diversity toward unity, um, I also think environmentally about our country and and just the the landscape of our country, the resources in the country, and all of the things from that perspective that we don't tell the stories of um, people's interactions with our with our country with the land. Um, we have such a an unbelievable um, uh, agricultural story here um, in Canada. Agricultural, I, I, forestry, so much. mining. Yes. Uh, like in people who have gone out and created. The, we are builders. We're builders yeah. of things. And I think, oh man, uh, Zach and I uh, recently recorded an episode with a, a fellow who's authored a book that is building an incredibly bigger thing that Canada could lead on the world stage from a foreign policy perspective. But I also mm. think, why can't Canada be building local communities that people love? Like, I want, I want, I want companies that are founded in a place like Cambridge to be bringing the jobs to Cambridge, not to go into Toronto. Let's stop this idea that Canada means you have to live in a big city. We can make our small towns into the kind of idyllic places that are the envy of the world. And you know what? A country that does that really well is Switzerland. They do it mm -hmm. amazingly. They keep the authenticity of their place, but they make it very easy to bring wealth and prosperity to those places too. They, it's not all about just manu. It's not all about manufacture or anything. There's diversity in their single focus on preserving what it is to be Swiss. Well, and I think that that's where um, the vital importance of storytelling comes in, and and actually making it your personal responsibility to involve yourself in the listening to and the sharing of stories. And one of the the fun things that I I did. Uh, quite by accident, actually, in 2020, is I read almost exclusively outside of you know personal growth and business, um, almost exclusively Canadian books in 2020. Oh, I love that! I love that. And you know, to be honest, I felt a little bit sad about myself because there were some stories that um, really profoundly impacted me. And it's funny, I share, I share a reading list with my members twice a year. And this year's was the shortest because I reread almost every book that I read. Um, I think that the pandemic has just, first of all, a lot of us are just feeling like we have a lot of brain fog and focus is, focus well, is hard to come by some days. We're social, we're social animals and we've been, and this is social aspect of who we are. It's been ripped out of our souls. We can't even go to dinner with one another. Like you want to go it's hang really, out. With, oh, it's horrible. It, yeah. It's really interesting. And I think, that, I think that the other thing is that this experience has also, um, I think it's asked us to pay a different type of attention um, and I didn't just want, you know, I read like 
I read like I'm eating chips. Like I just, I have books everywhere, all over my house, all over my office. But this year I really wanted to hear the stories. Um, and especially once I sort of made this decision, which, you know, it started with two or three books. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to basically read Canadian books this year. Um, and I was so profoundly moved. Uh, you know, the, the first book that um, I had read, um, uh, is it From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle um, in 2019, I believe, which uh, sort of kicked off a desire to read a bunch more of Canadian uh, Canadian authors, but I read Forgiveness by Mark Sakamoto. Um, oh man, I'm gonna, have cannot... to, I'm gonna have to. You know what? You're you're making me feel a lot of shame right now. In a good way, I'm like, I need to read more Canadian <laughs> novels. Like I read a, I, I have a podcast about books and movies. Another one, different one. <laughs> but um, I haven't read enough Canadian. You're you're you're, uh, you're calling me out, and I love it. I I think all well, of us like we need to be Canadians and like appreciate our yes. own national story. Yes. And you know why this is important, though? I think that Canadians can fall um, into the habit of feeling like we are better and that we we don't have conflict in this country and that we're very tolerant. And, you know, most of the stories that I that I read, especially Forgiveness, which I'm never going to forget that book, um, which focuses on on the journeys of Japanese Canadians um, around the time of, of Pearl oh, Harbor. I'm going to read it. I'm going to um, pick it up today. I'm ordering it on Amazon and everyone else should too. I will tell you. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the responsibility of every single Canadian to read this book and some of the others that uh, I read this past year. Um, but I, I really realized, you know, frankly, shame on us for not putting so much more energy behind this type of vital storytelling because I think we're so that, obsessed with um, America. We're so obsessed with America. Yes. We're all we're all we're focused on it all the time. We have this beautiful thing happening in our backyard and we're ignoring it. Yes. I love and this. It's okay. I, I, have, I, have well. I have a request for you. Yes. Would you be willing for the listeners of this podcast to put together a five book list that we can push out to the people who've liked our page, letting them know the five books you have to read Canadian books you have to read to understand our mythos. I would love to, and I already have it. We, it, we just sent it out to our members, so I can fire it over to you. ASAP. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, to the to your point about about our obsession with south of the border, um, there's been a real shift with that, and, and this is how the conversation started for me when I was reflecting on what it means to be Canadian at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, my husband and I were watching something. I don't know what we were watching. And, and I have a feeling you're going to be too young to remember it maybe. But when I was a kid in the seventies, there were these little CBC, were they CBC? There were these little national, no, it was the Canadian film board vignettes the that Canadian would come minute? on before. The Canadian minute? Uh, no, I don't know if it was the Canadian minute, but there was this little log rider video that I know many people who are my age will remember and older. Um, and, you know, I think that little snips of, um, of Canadian culture were, were just more a part of our day-to-day -day life. And I think that what's interesting is just that, you know, with streaming and syndicated TV and, and less local radio, less local television, um, just over time, this has changed so much, whereby if you were, you know, 25 years old, 30 years old, I think that it would be very easy not to have 
many senses whatsoever of a lot of Canadian stories. Um, and so he and I went on this tangent of talking about how do we bring this back? How do we bring this back? And, and this is really when my book spree started. Um, and it was something that I wanted to kind of sit with personally and really reflect on, which I did all year long. And before I, before I, I started to have conversation about it, because, um, you know, honestly, David, I think that we are so blessed to live in this country. And while, you know, we've, we've been able to shine a big, big light over the last few years. And I think that, you know, we've had great champions, um, shining lights on some important, important things that we need to talk about, like Gord Downey's, um, insistence that we look at the residential school system. Um, I think that we are just in such a position to, um, right now in the pandemic, to be able to take advantage of this opportunity to connect with where we live, with one another, to actually see one another and get off that hamster wheel, you know, get off of media, get off of TV, get off of our devices and actually be where we are. How can you lift up, lift up your neighbor? How can yes. you you know, help that small business down the street that you've walked past a million times and you've never purchased from because maybe they don't have a product that's relevant to you, but Hey, that's a person and they're one of your neighbors. So how do, can do we, you, Oh, I love it? this. I have a mantra. Do you want to hear it? Of course. A, a rising tide lifts all ships. I am the that's tide. Right. I that's am the right. tide. Embody it instead of so there's this mentality, a scarcity mindset, right? Where people are sitting there thinking that there's only so much love to go around, only so much happiness, only so much money, only so much hope. And we all have to keep our little peace and cling to it because if, if we shared it, it might, it might be less. But the truth, the real truth is that the world is abundant. And that is a Canadian value, abundance. And we need to get away from this mindset that there's only a, only a little, only enough for me just. And if only I, I'm only going to barely scrape by. No, no, no. And we have a bad tendency as Canadians. And I want to challenge it right now, because if you love something, you also criticize the bad things about it. You don't just say, oh, no, that's fine. We don't care about that. Right. I, if I truly love myself, I don't let myself keep smoking. It's not because, you know, I don't like the, the little meditative time or the dopamine rush is because in the long run, I know it's bad for me. And here you want to know what I think Canada's smoking is. We don't celebrate our winners. We act like if someone's a winner, someone else is a loser. And we need to start talking about each other's successes and championing our fellow citizens and being like, look at that yeah. guy. He's rocking it. I love it. I love seeing my fellow Canadians win. And we do love it with hockey. We, we, we all come yeah. together. We're like, yes, I love it when we win. Yeah. But it's the only thing we do it with. We need, to, we need to start saying, I love it when Canadians win. And I want to see more Canadians win. I want Canadian companies to do well. I want Canadians to, because that's what it means to love a place, is to want it to do well. Well, and, and this is what's, what's interesting is that, you know, our, our humility is, is part of what's very special about, about us here in Canada, all of us. Um, but celebrating wins 
is not counter to humility. I think it's exactly. I mean, I think think we feel like it is. I think we feel like it is. I think, like for example, uh, and I say this all the time. I actually think I like it when my friends succeed even more than when I do. I get so excited Uh, when I see my friend have a big win. I'm. I'll give you an example. I, I have one guy that I'm kind of trying to mentor and he was thinking of just going and getting, you know, a job where he's salaried. And I'm like, you're really talented. You don't need to go that path. Start a consulting firm. You will have 10 times more time because they won't be working you like a dog. You, you work for yourself. And two, you just have the connections and network already. You don't need to take that step, right? He does it and he's just started crushing it. Like, and he's doing it because he's smart. He's talented. He's he's in tune with himself. He's aware. He reads. He loves poetry, right? This, this is a guy who, who doesn't need to go and just work for someone else. He could build something himself. And I celebrate that. That's and, and you know what? I didn't do that. For my almost my whole 20s, I worked for other people. Now, I'm glad I did that for for the reasons. But, but my journey doesn't have to be his. He doesn't have to learn the lessons I learned the hard way, right? He can learn them himself. And then just well, yes, but those the the way that you learned the you know I think I think that hard road sometimes that's is true. what it takes. That, no, no, and you know, you know what? Maybe I, it is. Maybe it is. That's a good point. It's, uh, we we can't fast forward. I mean, I think that I think that um, you know when you think about um, gosh, there's there's the obstacles, the path, right? Oh, I mean, the obstacles the way. The obstacles the way. It's true. Yeah, yeah. No, you're it's, right. It's really, truly, um, it, the the obstacle is always so rich with the lessons that that we need in order to to thrive. And I think, um, you know, we we thrive when we are of service, and and that's why you love when your friends win. And um, I, I would like to ask you a question because I I know you said you grew up in a small community. Did you see? more or less um, sort of, uh, you know, you talked about people holding on tight, right? And being unwilling to share, share customers, share support, share whatever it might be. Um, Did you see more or less of that in a small community versus living in a bigger city? Well, um, just to be frank, I, my, my father's a pastor and I, I grew up very religious. So my conception of reality growing up was very different than the reality I see outside of faith-based communities. Because within faith-based communities, um, sharing is just normal. There's never this conception that you just have to make it on your own. Everybody helps each other. And it's not in in some kind of cultish, communitarian sort of way. It's just like there's a a level of trust and connection and unity. Let's call it unity. There's a level of unity that, that provides a safe environment for... Uh, growth and and also self-reflection because one of the most dangerous things about self-reflection in a hostile environment is you can just get attacked or someone can 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 become emotionally abusive with you but i find in healthy and, and i distinguish between religious and spiritual communities a religious community can be very oppressive a faith-based community can be incredibly uplifting and uh and enriching now i think all people kind of we all mess up our path we all make mistakes and like you said the obstacle is so rich with the lessons it teaches us and i think a humble person is someone who takes their mistakes and learns from them and admits that they make mistakes 
Um, and I find that's not always the case in religious communities. But yeah, I, by and large, uh, I have found that there's more com when there is community, there's more sense of belonging. And, and that's why people cling to their identities, because they actually tie them to their community. Well, but, you know, what's interesting is um, community is is what is missing for so many people, because every man for himself, um, it might feel empowering, you know, the illusion of, you know, I'm going to make it on my own, that sort of feeling of, you know, I got this and it's all on my shoulders. Um, it, it only takes us so far. And, and that's why I love the way that so many fitness communities have embraced yes. and, and yoga yes, communities a lot such, have, of have understood have that CrossFit. I, I definitely, I know a lot of people who feel CrossFit nails it. Yeah. Yeah. CrossFit yeah. does it so well. And, and I think that, you know, it, it's not novel. It, this is, it's ridiculous to imagine that, um, you know, I remember doing an interview of maybe four or five years ago and somebody asked me, you know, where, where I got the novel idea because I've been doing um, really intentional community building for all of my clients and all of my projects over the years, all of my own personal businesses, um, where I got the novel idea that community um, is part of wellness. And I, and I, I thought, wow, that's such a weird question um, because we're social creatures. Yeah, and, I feel like it's like the most basic <laughs> human need, right? It, it's like it we is. need one another. <laughs> well, it used to, you know, we always hear like it takes a village. And and I know when I would travel, you know, through India and different parts of the world, you truly see, you know, um, however many generations of people all running around after each other's kids and, and chickens and everything else. And and we we are yeah, missing yeah. that. You know, we, we're all alone and, and people you know, are because so I work, lonely, but they're so lonely. And you know who I think suffers in, in one of the biggest ways is, is women moms. Um, you know, we used to really be able to raise our children together with the support of multiple generations and one another, uh, and our whole community. And, and now so many, so many moms are, um, are feeling so isolated. Uh, you know, I, I, we work with so many women who will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know who to ask, you know, on Instagram, it looks like everybody's momming perfectly. And, and I feel silly because I don't have the answers and, and we're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to have the answers. You you learn no, them from, yeah. from observing. Uh, and, you you know, so it's, it's fascinating. Wisdom. You have a lot of wisdom. Oh. This is nuts. I am, I am so blown away. I, I want to have you on the podcast again. Uh, <laughs> like, this is great. Um, I guess uh, the final question that I would have for you in this last five minutes is what do you think Canada could be and what do you think it should be? Well, in, in so many ways, I think we've touched on it. I think that I truly believe that through the storytelling and the sharing of these rebel paths, because I believe we have so many extraordinary game changers in the history of extraordinary game changers in our in our country on this soil. Um, I, I truly believe that if we um, shine a light on these stories and one another's stories, that we could go from calling diversity one of our our best qualities to um to this unity piece that we've talked about um to imagine living in a country where we can 
truly see one another and understand one another. And as you say, um, agree to disagree because we respect one another as human beings. Um, you know, kindness will change the world. Kindness and understanding yeah. will change the world. Yes. That is our, that is our secret weapon right now. And that's, that's what we talk about, um, in light thrive. Our membership community is, is that, um, you know, we can, we can work out and we can eat well and we can do all the right things all we want. But at the end of the day, if we want to change our lives and therefore, you know, radiate outward and, and impact, have a positive impact on the world, we have to start with kindness and it has to start from within. And you have to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, it has to start from uh, yeah. within. Yeah. And okay. So I just, uh, on that particular point, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> there is so much pessimism and criticism in this world right now we we live but you know what there is a there I, i'm not going to call it spiritual but there's awakening happening where people are coming to the realization that we're being duped that we're being made to hate one another we don't have to do that we don't have to hate someone for being different and you know that's just as true of the christian who needs to accept that, that maybe something that they don't think is right is completely fine to have in a society as it is of the atheist who hates a religious person. Like, let's stop hating one another. Like, who's who's benefiting from that? We aren't. Canadians well, aren't. And who are, who are any one of us? Who are any one of us to cast any judgment? Who are we to judge? Exactly. Let's stop yeah. with that. And but but this is what I want to say. The light is more powerful than the darkness. It, it is. Look at it. One little candle can light up a room. It the darkness doesn't exist. It's it isn't an actual thing. It is the absence of a thing. And what the darkness is the absence of is light. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything spiritual here. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is kindness is that light. Humans get a choice. There is an ancient Stoic proverb that says between the stimulus and the response is the choice that's what it means to be human that space between stimulus and response you get to choose how you view the world and i just want to point out what aaron said earlier the sky seems bluer nothing has changed well one thing has perspective yeah and i just think that if Canada can change its perspective on how beautiful a thing we've created, what we what we've created is, we live in pretty much harmony with one another. Yeah. Vastly different communities, and we're all working together, and we're all Canadian. Let's celebrate that. Let's not celebrate that we're all different. Let's celebrate that we all have one value that's the same. We respect one another. Yeah, we have to get there. And, and I think that we, um, as you say, there's, there's the spirit of a, a revolution. You can feel it and, um, and we're headed for change. We can choose that change. And let's make it a positive change. Why does it have to be criticism? Why can't it be praising something beautiful? Yes. Yep. And, and that is, as you say, it's a choice. It's a choice moment by moment. Um, and you, you know, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry to cut this short, but I guess that just means I'm going to have to have you on again. So I'm not that sad. <laughs> thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to chat. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The CAD Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. 
Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.